0: dive deep into the realm of large language models, prompt engineering, and best practices. With over 25 years of combined AI and product engineering experience, here are your hosts, Bradley
1: Arsenault and Justin Magarin. Hello, Justin.
0: Hello, Brad. How are you?
1: Doing pretty good. I'm excited. Uh, Our second podcast here. I am too. This is going to be a super... Interesting and exciting topic. So, Justin, the other day I was uh, writing some code for uh, Flow Thought and uh, I needed to do a prompt for like uh, to generate a title. And so I just put some quotes. I said cons prompt equals, and then I wrote some data. Uh, I tried it a few times uh, in my test. I got the result I want, and then I just left it. Uh, so the prompt is just sitting there, hard coded, line like two fifty three or something. Um, <laughs> how do you how do you feel about this this practice of of, uh, of managing our prompts?
0: So I guess the first question I'm going to ask you is: Does a prompt work? Does it successfully generate a title?
1: most of the time, like not always good titles, but it usually okay. generates a title
0: all right, very good. well, I think that for for you know these these smaller prompts all right, you know i I think that that this prompt development space is still very new, and I don't think that there's really any best practices that have thoroughly been documented in the space, so whatever we're gonna propose on this call is new um but we should kind of focus on on best practice like general best practices in engineering um i think that that the way you just explained it is the way everybody's doing it today um, including myself and i think though that that is not a sustainable way of of creating prompt based applications i think that if yeah go
1: go go ahead i i certainly feel guilty i like when i when i hard code that prompt I just, I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. Like, like just putting this prompt here, you know, it's, you know, you know how you put translations, right? Like if you're just working in English, you first you hard code strings and then eventually you have to yep. move to having translation files in different languages. When I see that hard coded prompt, I feel the same way. I'm just like, this is good for now, but mm, this, there, there's a, gotta be a better way.
0: I guess one of the things that, that I dislike the most of hard-coded prompts is from, just from pure engineering perspective, I need to use triple quotes because very often I wanna use, you know, double lines or multi-line prompts. And I, I also need to worry about the indentation, like the tabs right like i want to make sure that oh, like my prompt awkward. is 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 tabbed enough and then not only that but then i i want to add variables like additional context to the prompt so now i have multiple triple quotes and i have these plus things and it's yeah. it's just atrocious like just atrocious yeah sure we got libraries out there that can kind of help us build these prompts but it doesn't remove the fact that you have hard coded prompts in source code yeah
1: and prompts are not source code like those prompts are not source code they're definitely not and and no. actually that point about the new line characters it actually drives me nuts every time you write because because then the second line of your prompt is like not indented and it just it totally messes up the flow of the code you know it just it just doesn't belong there that that's not where the prompt belongs so i guess
0: there are there's one main best practice in the engineering space. It's not new. It's very old. And that's just having decoupled source code, decoupled functions, decoupled classes, yes. things that are not tightly coupled to source code. And, and I think that, that, well, though that concept in itself helps with maintainability, readability, and reusability. And I think that that concept can also be very well applied a prompt development, where instead of hard coding a prompt, you put it somewhere else, right? You put it in a config file. You put it in a nice UI interface. But at least now, you could maintain it. You could edit it. It's outside of the source code. You could read it potentially better. Um, and finally, you can duplicate it. So you could put it in different places in the source code. If, if you change the prompt, it's changed in one place. And that change is reflected in multiple places. So I think that those three kind of main components um, are just best practices that people should follow.
1: So I want to dig into this this idea a little bit more. So there's, there's different ways we could decouple the prompts, right? You mentioned one. We could move it to config files. Or we could have... We could just have like a prompt.py and just like every prompt is its own function. That's sort of another way where it's sort of, it's sort of a uh, we we could put the prompts in a database, you know, uh, and, and modify them in our admin. Uh, I'm particularly excited about the the tool you've been uh, talking about. Our, our our listeners here are not going to uh, know anything, but. Uh, uh Justin's been working on a very interesting open source tool related to what we're talking about right now. Um so l- l- let's talk about h- how do we w- which of those approaches are better or worse? Like do we w- w- how do we evaluate them from a a per- decoupled perspective and 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 maybe some other engineering principles. So
0: I think that you know the the worst way of doing prompt development, I think is having it hard coded in source code, having one prompt hard coded in source code um as you described initially, I think that's a way of the past, but I think that that's the way that most people are building prompt based applications today, so you can't I can't really say anything too too bad about it because that's how everybody's doing it that but that's, that's exactly. a
1: one out of ten it's like
0: it's bad it's bad but common right um I think on the other side of the spectrum, there's a really easy to use environment where not only engineers, but also product managers can kind of go in, play around with prompts, create new prompts, test them on the fly, and deploy them when it comes time to deployment. And in the middle, maybe there's more of a function-based or config file-based approach where maybe now the prompt is a little bit more decoupled from, from the source code itself, You could create a unit test. But the problem with the config and the functions is you still can't really test them on the fly. You kind of got to write them out in a Jupyter notebook or you got to kind of like copy paste the function somewhere else. Run it a few times to make sure it works well. And then you kind of like fine tune it in the source code. You control save because you want to save the source code file. You rerun it. You see it not work then you kind of make a few more changes to the prompt, then you rerun it, you see it finally work, and you say, ah, finally works. And then what happens is the context that you provide the prompt changes. And now the prompt sucks (laughs) again. So so it's, I don't know, man, like like sure the comp, yeah.
1: Unit testing the prompt, like I shouldn't just like write a, a basic unit test, like I just have one input, one output, just see if it matches, good to go, like. I think that the unit
0: tests are super important but from a prompt development perspective, I don't think that the unit tests are necessarily a part of the source code for specifically the prompt themselves. Um, so let's, so we talked about the, the hard-coded version. We talked about the config and the, um, the function version. Let's talk about the kind of more separated, save to a database, modify it using a user interface. I think that's the way of the future and this is the reason from a maintainability perspective when it's an easy to use user interface you don't need to be an engineer to build a new prompt you don't need to be an engineer to modify an existing prompt you don't need to be an engineer to play around different models tweak the temperature Tweak different parameters, add variables, modify those variables. You don't need to be an engineer, and 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 so from a maintainability perspective, and and also engineers who are testing prompts, we want to write a prompt, rewrite it multiple times until it meets our you know requirements. It's very very challenging to do that in source code. So so having a really easy to use user interface similar to 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 OpenAI, you know. Um, playground or Google's playground or Cohere's playground. I, I I think from a maintainability perspective, it's 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 just going to make life so much easier.
1: We have there's like a long history of this, right? In in software engineering of of these various attempts to kind of bridge the gap between the programmers and maybe uh, other people, product designers, user interface designers, business analysts, right? Um, the programming language COBOL, you know, was used yes. uh, for, for this purpose.
0: Yeah. So, so let's let's touch on COBOL a bit, right? So, so I started my career in banking, um, and the very first language that I've ever used in my professional career was COBOL,
1: oh, common so business-oriented
0: sorry. language. It, it, to be honest with you, I think that it instilled very good engineering practices, um, at least for me personally, but. This language, I, I asked, you know, my my boss, why are we using COBOL? And he says, Justin, he says, COBOL should be written like English. It should be easy enough to read that a business person can understand. And that's what the banks use, and that's what the airlines use, and, and that's what some of the largest you know, organizations use, government banks, airlines. And it makes sense for for people, for business people to understand what the application is doing. And I think that we've gone very, very far away from that today. And I think that these prompts present a unique opportunity to bring that a lot closer to home. And as a result, I think that organizations are gonna be able to accelerate application development significantly. So I think that this presents a really, really, really unique
1: opportunity too. Yeah, we know that there's a huge shortage of uh, software engineers. It's certainly benefited though, those of us who are in the industry, but uh, you're absolutely right. If we want to keep that innovation train moving forward, we, we have to make a, a way for other people to come in and join us on the discipline. And, and um, Exactly. And and peop- I also find people are really afraid of this idea of like super intelligent computers kind of taking over and becoming our puppet master. <laughs> but... Making the prompts understandable, m- making it easy for that regular person to dive in and kind of zoom in and see see what's going on in the guts behind that supercomputer. Well, how how what did it evaluate that decision? That's an I I think would assuage a lot of people's fears, would it not?
0: Absolutely. And 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 that also brings in a lot of more best practices, right? When it comes time to auditing the output of a prompt, the ability to log the prompt, the ability to analyze a prompt in the future. Now you don't need to be an engineer to do it. Anybody can do it. But but I, I guess another component that that out of the three components is, is readability. We talked about those new line characters at the beginning of the podcast, yeah, you know, yes. um, and and having variables in it and all this kind of stuff, but having them a separate user interface to kind of build these prompts, gets rid of all of these readability concerns. Now, variables can be implemented using some sort of handlebars, JavaScript library, like, you know, these curly braces or square braces or whatever you want to use, right? It makes it so much easier to be able to understand what a prompt is doing versus it being really well hidden in source code that one or maybe two people know where the heck it is. Right. And and, and, it just makes it inaccessible to people.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about uh, quality control on prompts. Like if you embed the prompts in the source code, that really limits your options, right. For doing a quality control on your prompt.
0: It does. And I think that, you know, depending on, on how it's implemented, I think that that when you start building a prompt, once again, you you type in the first version, you run it, you see it work. You type in the second version, you see a better version, you know, and you kind of keep doing this iterative kind of process. In a separate graphical user interface, I think that that whole process gets, gets simplified significantly. Um, and maybe, you know, if if we step away from the quality control, because it's, it's it's something that 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 we've discussed on 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 our first podcast, but we know that there are new models coming out almost every day now. There's Llama one, there's yeah. Llama two, there's Llama three, right? There's 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 seven billion parameter models, there's there's thirteen billion parameter models, there's yep. forty billion parameter models. There are new large language models coming out every day and. I think that it becomes acceleratingly more challenging to keep up with prompts and the way to execute them in this environment if you hard code them. It's 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 just common sense, right? Like you can't test them, you can't kind of get a, a, an external team to kind of help you with that management and with the building, you don't understand what's going on and you just don't have a, a, an interface to be able to make those decisions um, quickly. So
1: It's yeah. kind of just crossing your fingers and hoping for the best, right? Absolutely. Leaving it in your source code and, is.
0: And I think that crossing your fingers and hoping for the best is, is a technique that's worked initially. When these large language models came out, they were cool enough for us to type in anything and anything that came out of it was good right like it was cool right like yeah. oh generate three hashtags it generated them you don't know how it generated them it worked but it was the magic. moment it comes time to kind of implement that in a product we run into challenges we need specific formatting we need to to tweak the model a little bit more so yeah yeah
1: yeah so and it, it just has to be controlled in a different way um this has been, been a wonderful discussion, Justin, and uh, I, I really feel like I'm, I'm learning a lot from you uh, every single day. Just working on this podcast together and jiving um, has really upped my game in terms of uh, engineering. And um, I'm excited for the conversation that we're gonna be having next week. Um, what, what are we gonna be chatting about next week, Justin?
0: Yeah, so next week we are going to be talking about um, or exploring the complete development lifecycle of a prompt, from the very beginning where we type in that first sentence to try to get something to work, um, to maybe using a, a a zero shot or few shot approach where where you provide them all with with examples and and then finally with with fine tuning it and and everything in between, you know, analysis, testing, all this kind of stuff. Um, so I think that that is going to be a super exciting, um, podcast and, and likewise, man, like it's, it's great chatting with you.
1: Uh, This has been, uh, been wonderful, Justin. And, uh, I look forward to keeping this going. Good stuff, man. Take
0: care. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe and stay updated on our latest content. We appreciate your support.